Yeah, if we can get the, the video to work, this will be pretty rad. Oh, I but, see you. I see you. Yeah, there I am. There you are. How's it going? Good, man. How are you? Good. Well, this thing should already be rolling. I've never actually done this on Zoom before. So if you have, you already have more experience than I do. Um, yeah, like a family reunion on Zoom. Okay. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've never hosted one. Um, I've attended a couple church uh, worship team meetings and stuff on Zoom, but never hosted it and had to make it work and all that stuff. Right. So this is pretty cool. Yeah. So how you been? All right, you know, one moment at a time. Yeah, you surviving the COVID? I'm surviving. <laughs> There's no wood in here to knock on. All right, I'll hear. Oh. I, I knocked on some for you. Thank you, thank you. Um, so I've seen you done, you've been doing some live stream stuff, but have you actually been able to get out and play? No, I haven't played since March. Wow. That's a long time. Yeah, that's... It is a long time. It's months. However long they do. Three. Oh, you got the guitar. Nice. Yeah. I learned this today. <laughs> Are you going to do a version of that with the lions? Are you going to do a version of that with the lions? Maybe like a... I was fiddling around with maybe doing like a soul version, you know. Uh, oh, I'll work on it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 cool. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. Um, so if that could be a segue, like how did you get started with the Lions? What's what's the name, the full name of your group? <laughs> the full name of the group is Steven Stevie and the Crooked Lions. The Crooked Lions. And, and how Lions. how did you guys this this Deshaun and uh Right, Deshaun Younger. Yep, and Morgan. Awesome. Yeah. And so how did you guys meet? Um well I met Morgan going to the open mics, going to um, Vista Union, where they no longer have that open mic there. But I met Morgan there, bass player. Yep. Um, great bass player, too. Great bass player. I got. A, I had a show at um, Greenville Blues Cruise. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Is that a cruise cruise? No, it's just like people walking, cruising around. Oh, gotcha. I think I'm saying the title wrong, but Blues Festival, Midland, South Carolina. I got you. And um, needed a band, and so that's when we started. Now, Crooked Lions, because I always park crooked between the lines and the parking spot. So at first I was thinking maybe Crooked Lions, Crooked in the Lines, and Crooked in the Lines became Crooked Lions. Gotcha. That's interesting. And how long have you guys been playing together? I guess it's probably two years now. Two years. And have you guys been able to rehearse at all? Or are y'all having Zoom meetings, keeping in touch? Or 
No. Um, well, we're keeping in touch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But we haven't like rehearsed or, um, well, we've done some stuff, but um, yeah, we haven't rehearsed. We've been pretty, uh, just got our heads down, getting through, you know, getting through the plague like everybody else. Yeah. I'm trying. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've had to kind of work through it, you know, like go out and go to my job and right. it's, you know, I guess I fall in the category of very fortunate to work and also like concerned that I have to go to work all the time. You know, there's all this time you feel like, oh, I'm at the gas station. Is this when I'm going to get it? You know, or I try not to be that scared about it, but it's definitely like in the back of my mind. Like, right. That's crazy. Yeah. I feel that way about playing shows right now. Like I want to play badly, of course. Mm hmm. I want to rehearse badly, of course, but it's also like, is that dangerous? You know what I mean? Is it super dangerous? Even even in the way they have it limited now with no audience, maybe, but like you're still around band members, you're still around a crew who's filming. Yeah. You just can't know. The, um, well, I've done the warehouse live stream thing. I did that with Jazz Dog and that, that was cool. I mean, it, no one had any symptoms or fevers or, you know, prior to coming in there. And so, but every, you know, we all wore our mask in there and um, there was enough space on the stage. I think they've done a good job of making it. So you're not super close to everybody. And, you know, I think I wore my mask the whole time. So, you know, but there was no, there was no one in there. It's like a, a dark room with some stage lighting and cameras. It's, it's really actually pretty neat. That's cool. Yeah. I think, aren't you going to do something soon there? Right, we're playing there on the 18th of October. Okay. With a bunch of bands for a BLM benefit. Yeah. Awareness, things like that. That's, that's, yeah, that's very cool. Matt Buck and JoJ, I mean, they'll take really good care of you guys. Yeah. I'm looking forward to being on a a nice stage with good sound and, you know, a good release for a good cause. Definitely. Definitely. How's, I mean, so not only is there a plague, (laughs) you know, that would be one thing to deal with, but then having to deal with, I mean, everything since Memorial Day, how's that been going? Like, has that inspired to write or have you, are you still processing all of this stuff that's going on in the country? Yeah, definitely I'm writing stuff. And, um, you know, I'm remembering the Rodney King riots. You know, I lived in Southern California when that happened. And That's um, where you grew up? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, the 1% of riots, you know what I mean? Um, it just... It seems like a cycle, you know? Yeah. Keep going round and round. I mean... And um, it's interesting, you know, how you build society and you need free labor and you need people who are different enough that you can dehumanize them to get the free labor. And um, you don't ever expect them to be free or you don't ever expect them to be treated like human beings. You don't have the foresight to see that maybe one day they are going to be human beings or seen as human beings and you're going to have to deal with all of this 
you know, abuse. Like if you abuse a child, you have to deal with the, the ramifications right. of that abuse when it becomes an adult. And right. like, you know, in the, the lifespan of this country, you know, the childhood infancy of this country, they, you know, is full of abuse. And um, I'm watching it play out like that abuse being played out as the, the abusee, you know, awakens to itself, the abusee stands up for itself. Right. You know, the abuser has to actually look at the abuse, you know what I mean? That is laid upon a bunch of people. And um, and I know no one, you know, there's nobody who owned a slave still alive in America, you know what I mean? Right. There's nobody who shot up a bunch of who shot up the Native Americans and still alive. None of those people are still here. Um, but their descendants benefit from, you know, the wealth that is the country. You know what I mean? It's their country. I mean, it's interesting. Like I, you know, I grew up in the inner city. You know, mm-hmm. bouncing between a few inner cities: the inner city of Cleveland, inner city of San Diego. You know, inner city of LA, and um. And it wasn't something that was ever said to me or said to my peer group or whatever. And it goes beyond my generation, of course, but like, I never really thought of this as my country. I never, you know, it was never like a feeling that like, I'm an American and America is for me. I mean, I was always really aware that America is not for me. Wow, that's very interesting. America, you know, and it wasn't like, I wasn't the only one. I wasn't unique by any standard, you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. It was like, it was just like a thing we knew that like America wasn't set up for us. You know what I mean? Like I said, they, they didn't think we were going to be seen as people ever. That they were going to have to deal with human beings face to face. You know what I mean? That was never part of the plan. So, so it was interesting now as like cultures, you know, societies progressed and like become super integrated in a lot of places, in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? The way people are thinking has become super open, you know what I mean? Recently, you know, say in the last five, seven years, you know, things have exponentially like exploded. Some some say progressed, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And um, so it's interesting to see like each time the cycle goes back around where the oppressor takes it just a little too far and the people being oppressed have to respond each cycle, like the oppressed are a little bigger and broader and more vast than they were the last time. Right. You know, and um, so that's, that's always interesting to see, you know what I mean? I, yeah, um, I mean. I don't know if I say to you that worth anything, but whatever. Well, I mean, it definitely, I mean, it makes sense. And if, I mean, I don't know, I, I think we're around the same age maybe or in the same, cause I remember the Rodney King stuff. Right. And I remember that, that there was riots in LA. Right. Everyone, you know, I guess to some extent tried to come together or brush it off or however you want to. The Crips and the Bloods joined up at that yeah. point. But this time it certainly is like, it feels like it's all over the country. You know right. And so I feel like the younger generations, like my kids' generation, like hopefully they see that and they keep running with that ball. You know what I mean? So that if it has to come around again, it's like hopefully the progress starts to overtake the, I guess the status quo. Right. 
there becomes more more progressive thought, you know. There's more progressive thought going on there than there ever has been. More progressive movements, I think, you know. But um, I mean, I I definitely I feel to some extent like that's um, it's it's like as far as like a representation kind of uh, standpoint. Like uh, I don't know if you've been had a chance to watch like Lovecraft Country at all. No, you haven't. But it's it's like an all majority the the protagonists are african-american this african-american family and but it's it's a it's a story that so far i'm only two episodes in it's like both involves the issue of race but it's also kind of like a universal story you know what i mean it just be it's just happened to be told from their perspective and I feel like that's kind of becoming more commonplace to where it, you know, you, you do get to see it more and there's more opportunity to see that kind of story being told. If that makes sense. I don't know that I said it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're getting exposed to it, you know? Like, yeah. I spent big chunks of my life being like that's the only black guy in the room, the only black guy in the band, the only black guy in the class. Um, and so... And I wasn't, you know, where I was, I might have been the only black guy, but like there were a lot of only black guys or black girls all spread around the world, probably. Just as a mass density now, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people that were like that, you know, that are sharing their experience. You know what I mean? They get to share their experience with white people and they get to see it up close, like, you know what I mean? And so, and you're saying that, you know, was your experience in Southern California growing up, what was it like moving to South Carolina? Like, did you have like worries about that? You know what I mean? Like, cause I, mean, um, I, know, I know the reputation of the South and the rest of the country, like. That I have. Or is it just like. Oh, actually, I have a memory now, the night before I was, I was leaving. Um, There was a somehow or another I wound up watching in the heat of the night, some heat of the night episode was on. You know, Southern Town police, you know, office six months. Oh. <laughs> That's right. Where's that coming from? I don't know. It's not coming from here. Oh, you know, I know where it's coming from. That's funny. I lost you. <laughs> oh, can you not hear me anymore? I can't see you. Oh, I can still see you. Let me. Um, uh, this Zoom is, is new to me. Uh, maybe if I. Maybe if I stop the video and then restart it. All right, hold on one second. How's that? Did that do anything? Nope, it's reloading your page. Okay, that's interesting because I haven't lost you at all. (laughs) Like I can still see you just fine. Um. Let me see. Oh, there you go. Okay, here we go. Uh, oh, there you go. 
just edit all that out. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm, I'm all good. I, I'm one of those people that just, I really try not to edit a lot of stuff simply sure. because it's just how it went down. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm, I'm still learning all this stuff. Like this is my first Zoom. And so, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not one of those people that's embarrassed by the process. This is the process. There you go. Okay. So, I mean. Let's be embarrassed by the process. What were we saying? Oh, I don't know. Oh, South Carolina. Yeah, like coming to South Carolina that you were watching a Heat of the Night episode. It's supposed to be Heat of the Night episode, right? Yeah. Southern police, you know, TV show. And, you know, this guy gets jacked up. Stops by the cops and blah, blah, blah. So, like, in that moment, I got paranoid. Yeah, oh, crap. What if I get, like, jacked up by the cops? It's because I'm black, rolling on the street. But, um, but growing up in Southern California, really, that stuff happened all the time there. You so know what I mean? Yeah, because there's such a, a... Right. So, big... like, we, you know, generally, there's an idea that the South is super bad and super racist and you can't do anything. Right. Yeah, and California is very progressive. And- progressive blah, blah, blah. But I grew I was in the ghetto in California and we got we got harassed by the police, we got beat up by the police, we got chased by gangs, you know, it was a dangerous place. And so I had spent my life like dealing with that anyway. So it didn't seem like that big of a fear. You know, I didn't have that big of a fear about it. I mean, like, you know, we were worried about racism in the KKK and vibe in the South. But where I was in San Diego, you know, 20 miles away was the biggest skinhead encampment in the country. Oh, wow. And we were always dealing with skinheads and blah, 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 you know. <laughs> so it wasn't like, yeah. And my people, I mean, my family's from Spartanburg, South Carolina. Okay. And I had spent some time down here, you know, a few times when I was growing up. And so the idea of it wasn't completely alien to me in the, uh, the vibe of the people wasn't that alien to me, you know what I mean? Gotcha. And when you got here, did it, you know, did it take a while to kind of acclimate or? Definitely. I mean, I was, I was chasing a woman down here. And so. The old old chasing a woman. Oh, the old chasing a woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I've chased a few, so I understand. On some levels, it's um, it's really good for my blues playing and my <laughs> and my soul music. Like, like I, you know, I got down here, and uh, I, I really concentrate. I really got the opportunity to concentrate on playing guitar, and um, but you do very well, by the way, uh, and singing at the same time. It's incredible. I mean, ironically, I spent most of my vibe, most of my life, you know, being a singer, you know, being a singer songwriter, but, you know, playing guitar, accompanying myself. Mm-hmm. And um, the last time I chased a woman, I chased one to Florida and I had a job at Sam Ash and this guy had just got out of Rikers Island, the penitentiary, and he spent 13 years learning guitar and he taught me this guitar stuff, right? And he the first guy who taught me like to play individual notes, not just play chords. This was like, this was a while ago. This was, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago. And um, so for 13 years, I've been working on trying to be a guitar player as well as a singer. And, um, and when I came down here, 
I got lucky enough to get put into the environment of like, um, for the first time of being like a guy who played covers in restaurants, which I had never really done before I got down here. You know, I'd always been original singer songwriter and I played original singer songwriter nights, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of stuff, gigs like that. And so I got down here and, um, I got a show, I got a, a job basically playing in a restaurant in Sumter. And um, I was playing six days a week playing covers or I could play whatever I wanted, but like you have to fill up six hours a day because I had two, uh, three hour sets a day. Wow. So I had to fill up that time. And, you know, so I played my songs and, you know, that's maybe an hour and a half, you know, <laughs> the songs I have. So I still have all this other time to fill, you know, and, um, so that was the first time I really got into playing other people's music and trying to make it my own and, you know, developing the guitar stuff. And I mean, how do you, you know, the, obviously that you're saying that helped your guitar playing, but that did it help your songwriting or did you already have a strong background in that? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, I had, I had been, I mean, I've been writing songs for, for, I'm I'm near 50, first off. So, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing this like, you know, since I was 17, and just my first gig. So, um, I've been writing songs for a long time, and like had had written in like you know some different styles, you know what I mean, and um, but I had never really played guitar you know and I never really like you know I had always been looking for who I was you know what I mean mm -hmm. and when I saw myself when I started seeing myself I realized I was in a long line of like black singer-songwriters and most black singer-songwriters are actually bluesmen you know when I when you really look down and dig like you know Charlie Patton guitar player and singer you know what I mean? And that style they played in was blues. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, you have Bill Withers, who's not really a blues guy, but he is bluesy. But um, as far as acoustic singer-songwriter goes, you know, you got your Princess and your Michael Jacksons and that stuff, Funkadelics and Gil Scott Heron, you know what I mean? There's a, the list goes on and on and on. You know, Al Green plays guitar, you know what I mean? But... um. I saw the line, I started seeing myself in the line of like singing guitar players and my style gravitated towards the blues type stuff. And um, if you're playing blues and you're in America, you're best off in the South. <laughs> it's, it's, it's <laughs> getting it together. You know, historically, this is where it comes from. This is what it like, this is the environment that like those chords are, are naturally, you know what I mean? And so I do. yeah, I appreciate South Carolina gigantically for that, you know. That's now did you have much experience with blue stuff before that? Like what were you you you've been doing this since you were 17? Like what what styles first I mean, got you into music? My the first what stuff got me into music were like, you know, James Taylor. Okay. You know, <laughs> Indigo Girls, Brian Adams. <laughs> Yeah. You know, uh, 
I was into New Edition and NWA and Tupac, you know. I was into pop music, you know. I got in, you know, I started getting into like Mary's Danish and Elvis Costello and the Smiths and, you know, Fishbone, you know, in my early 20s and things like that and playing those styles. And I didn't really get into the blues. I mean, things like Al Green and Gladys Knight and the Temptations and that stuff, that was just, that was background music to life. You know, that was, it didn't seem yeah, like yeah. something I had to get into. That was just like what it, what was around. You know what I mean? I do. So I, so I never made a conscious thing to like investigate soul because it seemed like that was what, you know, that's what I was into. That's what I had. <laughs> but like, you know, I had to seek out other things, you know. But um, did did uh, any of that fall into the category of like your parents' music, and you had to go and rediscover all that? Yeah, I read. Yeah, like you know, my mother had, when we were growing up, my mother had um, a Barry Manilow's greatest hits, Gladys Knight and the Pips' greatest hits, Stevie Wonder's greatest hits. Yeah, yep. those are the three albums, you know. My my family did a lot of listening to oldies radio. Like that's what I remember. And so I don't remember a lot of names of artists or names of songs, but there's a lot of old tunes that I I can recognize because that was the background. You know, just right. oldies radio. Whatever I guess was top. Uh, I was raised by my grandparents, so whatever was they were listening to in the fifties, sixties. That's what. That's, that's what I listened to. So that's that was. And, and, you know, uh, my grandparents took me to see like Clarence Carter when I was in high school. Like my grandfather was into blues right. a lot. And I don't play a lot of that. I mean, I can, you know, if, um, but yeah, my, it was, it was definitely something, I mean, like the, the, the BB King stuff, um, my grandparents, uh, we're into Bill Weathers. They're from West Virginia. And right. so, you know, Bill Weathers is like, they're like, oh yeah, he's mountain. You know, that's, that's us. Like, right, right. and so, um, so yeah, we grew up, I grew up with a lot of that in the background. It was like my grandparents' music. Right. So there was a lot of, a bit, you know, in my early twenties, uh, similar things of getting back into that to understand playing with people who came from that era. Yeah. 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 And my grandmother was really into BB King, would go see him like you know, I spent my childhood in Cleveland and um she would go see BB King, Bobby Blue Bland, you know, that was like her thing. And so like, you know, growing at five years old and six years old, I was aware of BB King and like that it was a big deal. <laughs> wow. But, uh, I got into muddy waters like much late like I would consider like uh as an adult me consciously investigating it and making it like something of mine not just something of my family's right um was I got into muddy waters you know in my mid early 30s I was living in um Oakland and I just drive around this blaring muddy waters all through Oakland and San Francisco. Now, whenever you were younger and you're you're doing writing your original music, did you feel like you fit in 
in San Diego? Like, did you, because I don't really know anything about San Diego's music scene or what's Yeah, I mean, when I came up in it, it was an indie rock scene. It was still, you know, you still had record companies that signed you and, um, you know, for not a lot of money and put you in a van and you play gigs, you know, little bars. And you sold your indie rock album, you know. So that's what I came up in. And I was signed to this indie label, Cargo, that had offices in, in Europe and Canada here. And um, and I was playing indie rock, you know, like, you know, quote unquote, not, I wasn't, I was like, I was like the arty side of grunge music, you know what I mean? <laughs> Where, you know, I was like aware of John Coltrane and Miles Davis and like, jazz concepts and soul and funk and things like that so i'd be doing indie rock with those elements in it and um and so i kind of fit in and i kind of didn't fit in the band i had at the time was called conglomerate and um fitting name so i was i was on the outside but i was only you know i was playing indie rock like all the other kids but it was indie rock funk jazz soul you know, bluesy, indie rock. It's fun though. It's not, I like it. Lots of screaming. It's interesting. I'm so used to seeing you, you know, play the blues. Um, I, I can't imagine that. I'd like to hear it actually. I'll send you some. I'll send you some vibe on it. Yeah, that'd be great. Is it like available streaming? Like yeah, you can get the conglomerate album on Bandcamp. I have, oh yeah, Stevie Harris, Band Camp. There's a bunch of albums up there. Okay. Yeah. Check them out. Sounds great. Well, how's, now, we kind of met through open mics. Um, has Columbia been good for, you know, artistically good for you in that way? I mean, it seems like you've met some really great players. Yeah. Met great players down, I mean, cats are like I, like I say, like, if you're going to play blues and soul music in America, you should probably come down south somewhere. Because um, Castle was really good that I've met here. You know, like, I live in a small town. I live in Sumter. I don't even live in Columbia. So I live in Sumter. And there's like, you know, the town has like, I think I looked at the population a few days ago. It was like, maybe it's 80,000 people here. And, um, I've tried to sit in with some cats that are just, you know, smoking, just like blistering. Like cats that were, if they were in California, they'd be like playing big, big gigs. You know what I mean? Like better than those guys. So, you know, there are cats down here that aren't playing gigs and aren't getting out, and aren't making a name that are better than, you know, movie stars down here. And so- That's wild. So I've learned that lesson, one. <laughs> You know, but I've learned that lesson. I've, you know, I've been humbled. And um, I also see, like, what's possible, like, and, like, how well you can play this stuff, really, you know, and how soulful and funky you can really get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm from Orangeburg, so there's a lot of great players. Right. Down that way. Like, I'm always, there's that part of you that's, like, always shocked. I'll, I'll meet a lot of musicians that are from Orangeburg, but not in Orangeburg. And I find out they're from Orangeburg and I'm like, ah, that makes, that makes sense. Like, <laughs> um, 
so yeah, it's there. There is a lot of talent here. I would agree. I, would agree and, I mean, just do the church vibe down here, which is like a massive training ground. Yep. For great musicians, which is really not out west so much. You know what I mean? And um, the church vibe and the HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that training is real prevalent and is not really that prevalent out West at all either. So, um, you know, it's a whole new world, you know, basically, it's a, you know, which I'm sure everybody, it's a different part. It's a different part of the country for sure. It's real different. It's, I think it's a different mindset too. When it's, oh, definitely. Um, especially, uh, not being a part of that community, but stepping into it every once in a while and like getting looks, you know, and uh, especially having been from Orangeburg, um, but also having been, you know, in certain clubs like welcomed. Right. You know, so it's, yeah, I, I can understand, but it's, it's a different, it's a different attitude in playing. It's a different attitude thinking about music you know, where it's, there's a lot more feel involved. And if that's not right, like it doesn't matter what you think almost, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like you can argue how it's technically correct, but like if that vibe is off, like you might as well just, just sit down and let someone else do it because you're going to ruin everybody else's time. (laughs) At least that's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, yeah, coming up in Orangeburg. So yeah, there's definitely people that would look at you and then, you know, hopefully you did your best and you can impress some people. And if not, you just live to fight another day. Right. As they say. So. So we can hope for us to live to fight another day, basically. Keep pushing it. Yeah, well, the, these days, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to get back out there and really start playing. So I've been, I've been fortunate. I've, it's funny, like I've, in the past month I've played two gigs and I feel like I'm like, man, I'm so fortunate to play two gigs. Well, that's a lot. Well, you're pushing it. You're doing, you're pushing it. Yeah. But you know, it was, again, it was at a place that was like social distance stuff going on. I mean, there's not like a ton of people out going to places. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, we had our mask on and, uh, and the, the stage area was kind of blocked off. So up there was like me, a drummer and a guitar player. And I like took my mask off and got someone took my picture and a friend of mine in Atlanta saw it. He's like, why the hell aren't you wearing a mask? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I was like, I was wearing a mask. Like <laughs> right before, you know, before that and after it was just for the picture. And you know, there was social distancing, but it's like, on the one hand, it's like good that people are looking out, you know, it's like, keeping you straight i guess right with the mask but i i mean i hope there's there's so many people around here that are like oh this will be gone november you know after in november whenever we vote and i'm like you know like i really hope so like yeah it's totally not though i mean no it's it's not but (laughs) i really hope so you know like right I, w- I wouldn't complain if it was like, you know what, this was a giant hoax. So everybody back to normal. You right. Know? I mean, that's n- not what's going to happen. Right. But, you know. Yeah, I think you're going to be different for sure. So I'm trying to think about like, 
how they're going to be different. You know, like, yep. you know, like what I can do, if I'm going to continue to play music, continue to want to be an artist, musician, you know, be part of that world, like how I'm going to have to like switch up what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, I think that when you get to the warehouse and you see how you're doing it, I hope that if, if it's going to continue and there's going to be like streaming kind of stuff, that's becomes more prevalent. Um, those guys I think are like on the cutting edge of that. Um, and like another guy that I think is on like uh, the cutting edge of, as far as like the idea of like what's possible. Um, and he is from Orangeburg, but you know, Clyde Frazier. Oh yeah. Like they're doing the hymns band partly cloudy is like doing this drive-in concert series. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's the future. I, I, f- I felt like that. I, I went to one and unfortunately it got rained out, but he had the brass band out there playing in the rain. You know what I mean? So I still got my money. Diana Ross. Wow. Yeah. Like, and so, but I told him, I was like, man, this is like, keep doing this because yeah. this is the future. Like this is such a great idea. Like no one else is doing it, you know, just like, um, like the warehouse, like they've got their stuff together. It's a great idea. It's a great opportunity. Like, I think you're going to have a blast when you're there doing it. Yeah. Um, now the revenue side of music is kind of what I feel is like in limbo with all that. Like I don't, I don't, I don't have any answers as far as right. how do you keep making money? You know, if, if the internet and download streaming over the past 20 years is kind of, the value sales income to some extent it's like this is not helping the other side like the live part right so you know there's i think there's there's movements like save our stages and all that stuff going on which is on the one hand it's like yes save our stages but save them safely you know like no band member wants to get sick no band member wants their family to get sick no audience member wants to get sick so, you know, maybe the drive-in thing is the way to go. Right. It was definitely, it was a really cool experience. I mean, they had food vendors. I mean, they had yeah. different acts. I mean, it was like a one-stop entertainment shop, <laughs> you know? Like, so I think, I think it was really, I mean, I think it's really cool. And if you get a chance to go check it out, like you should totally go. Yeah, I will. If you like, has there been anybody that you've like seen doing something you're like, yeah, yeah, that's the way to do this or. I'm the driving concerts. Definitely been impressed with that. And, you know, the stuff at the warehouse, it's just going to be about, well, you're going to have to, it's going to have to be digital, of course, over people's computers. And so you're going to have to video something. So, you know, getting video of you playing, you know what I mean? Like, that's like, I think fundamentally the future is like, finding ways to, to be broadcast. I know I, I've, and for that, the, the broadcasting part of that, my kids, you know, it's like taking a note, my son's like, you know, he's, he's 13 and he plays online games. Right. And he also watches online, like, like people playing games that have recorded themselves playing games. Right. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's going to have to be some sort of note taken from that to where it's like, 
these kids are like making money playing video games, you know, I don't even know if they're playing them well. I, I don't know the difference, but I know that like he's into it and he watches it and I, you know, and I'll sit there and I'll watch it with them. And you're just like, man, like there, there, and there needs to be, you know, musicians can do this. Yeah. I, think, I yeah. feel like. I mean, I've always thought like, you know, living in modern times, whatever, people are videotaping their breakfast, you know, like we live in a culture of oversharing, you know, yeah. and, um, but now I think it's going to be even more so. That's, we can't go out to the club or to the restaurant or whatever to share. Really, you're going to really be sharing on video and putting it on your computer. So like bands, you know, you know, we're going to, rec we record a rehearsal. We did it maybe you me in the past or record a show and put the show on the net, whatever. But now it's like, you know, you're going to be full on filming yourself eating breakfast, eating breakfast you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the levels are just going to like accelerate. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I mean, I, I definitely, I, th I think time will tell, but I don't think you're, you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I would hope like being old vet, I mean, I'm, I'm of the mind that like, if you're gonna expose yourself and expose your art and it should be about something and mean something when you do it. Right. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't, you know, but that may not be the time that we're living in, unfortunately. Maybe the time of like just blanket saturation of media of me eating breakfast and me eating lunch and then i play a song for three minutes you know what i mean well maybe the more interesting things you know artistically you know kind of speaking or you know for musicians and other creative type people wouldn't be the eating the breakfast so much as like we're bad we're, we're battering that one we're battering breakfast yeah or i mean or I think it'd be cool if there was something, you know, it's like letting people in on like the inspiration or the writing process or, you know, something, something like that, you know, but there, you know, you know yeah, there, there's probably someone who, you know, maybe you could get a, a sponsorship deal from like Raisin Bran or whatever you eat for breakfast. Right. <laughs> I mean, I also, I think also um, <laughs> it's about gathering your own audience. Like, you can't necessarily, if you can't go to the club and play in front of like whatever, however you'll be playing in front of and get 10 or 20 of them to like follow you. Now you have to get, you really have to build your own mailing list as an artist. You yep. have to develop your own audience. You know what I mean? The people who actually really like you, not just people that, that just happen to be somewhere. And yeah. catch, you know, you have to like get an audience on purpose now of your own. Cause you can't, cause I mean, I don't know if you can get one on social media anymore because social media is used for other things now, really. Yeah, that's that's an interesting take too. It definitely are basically talking to themselves on social media. We're playing songs for other musicians. Mm -hmm. Our, the audience is actually somewhere else. But um, so you got to get your own audience with your own mailing list, your own website, like which is still an old-fashioned model, but um. I think it's going to be taken to another level now. You know? Yeah. I mean, I hope it's a, a, the cream rises to the top scenario 
you know, and the people that, the, the people that you would like to see, I hope they get it. Right. You know, if, and they can filter through all of the breakfast eating. <laughs> you know what I mean? And be, the, and be the best breakfast eater out there. <laughs> filter through the breakfast. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. I mean, yeah. I mean, you make music, you make music, you make music, and that's that. Everything else is like, it's like high school and there's still a popularity contest. Yeah. Still like, you know, let's not pretend it's not because it is. Your music is your music and your ability is your ability and whatever. But that's like something separate a lot of times from your, from like making money or getting known. Yeah. Unfortunately. I I feel like. No, that was it. That was my tirade. That was it. I mean, I feel like the reverse is true too, though. Like, I, I don't feel like it's not, it, I don't know if this is the reverse, but I know like having gone, you know, th- through this quarantine and this time, there are people that I know that used that if you would see interviews with them would think like the YouTube thing was a joke. You know what I mean? Right. People had already made it and now they're like, hey, check out my YouTube channel. Like, because, right. <laughs> or check out the, you know, this or that, or I'm going to be talking with so and so. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like, didn't you win a Grammy? Like, what yeah. are you doing? But I've seen how, like, again, age, you know what I mean? I've lived through the period where there were all these indie bands that had small audiences. And they were, they were in little bitty 15-passenger vans or eight-passenger vans playing gigs to 100, 200 people, you know, all around the country trying to sell their record, you know, for 10 bucks. And then all of a sudden, those bands got on the radio and became top 40 pop. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, that, and those bands became, you know, Metallica and Nirvana and Pearl Jam and whatever, right? It became big stars. And um, from that model of like doing it yourself, the big stardom, and then it became like everyone signing these little bands all around the country to like, to replicate that. And then it became like, you know, creating those groups anyway, and the boy bands. And now it's just into another thing, you know, like, you know, the record labels crumbled and you're indie rock and you had to do, you had to do well enough to get their attention. So they like invest in you. You know, and now it's completely crumbled and you have to really build your own record label. You know what I mean? Not out of the trunk of your car anymore, but like from your laptop, you know? And yeah. uh, stuff changes. Now, do you, do you feel like that's more freeing or is that more daunting? You know, it depends on how lazy you are. I'm a really lazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, you know, you got to know how to record the, the audio and edit the video. and Right. And, and write the song. And, and write the songs and play the music. And, you know, you got to know how to everything play. Now. Yeah. That's the future is you're everything. Like the whole thing about being an artist now is like you're an artist and a technician and an engineer. And, you know, so... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's it feels futuristic, but it, it also feels a little overwhelming, <laughs> to be honest. I mean, it's the way it was, you know, back in you know the the fifties. You know what I mean? It's the way it was. Like you know, Louis Armstrong was playing, 
you know, on a, on a ferry boat during the Spanish in, in influenza. You know what I mean? The last time this happened, the last time there was a plague in America, you know what I mean? It, it began, you know, shortly after that, you know, he goes to Chicago and starts playing. So it's, um, and it began, you know, began the jazz age right after the, the influenza died down. So mm. I look at history and I look at those lessons and I'm like, you know, like I looked up like what was going on in around 1918, you know what I mean? And it was the like in World War One, you know, ending and all that. It's like, it began the jazz age, you know what I mean? So um, I think disasters are always followed by a massive, you know, spur of creativity. Well, I certainly hope so. The, a couple of things I've seen online that I really thought were interesting were uh, are people that can somehow, it's like they record the video and they like sample and loop parts and they play different instruments and sing their own harmonies. There's a part of me that's like, oh, that's that's really interesting. And it would be hard for me to like watch that and been, and then go see like a solo acoustic act and be like, oh, this is, you know what I mean? It's like, right. you know, it's like this other thing is like a whole different level, you know? So I, yeah, it's, I think it's a very interesting time. I, I guess they could say that the, the pot is cooking, all the ingredients are, are boiling. We're just going to have to wait to see what comes out of it and what it tastes like. I will say this about, um, making art, making your art and it being dependent on electric stuff. I was, you know, there was a period when I was doing electronic music, living in Oakland, you know, I'm working on this track. I've been working on it for hours. All of a sudden I hear a, right? There's like this noise, loud noise outside and everything, all the lights and all electricity goes out. We had a rolling blackout. Whole neighborhood is black. You know, and those were going on pretty often at that point, right? And um, you know this track I worked on for hours is gone now. <laughs> and so I just picked my acoustic guitar. You know, <laughs> I was like, "Well, you know, can you trust man enough to keep the lights on so you can keep making your art?" I don't know if you can or not. So always be prepared to pick up something that doesn't require a plug. Yeah, that's that's good thinking. That's some wisdom right there. It's old man wisdom. Yeah. By golly. By golly, dang, yeah. No. Well, hopefully, I mean, hopefully they'll keep the lights on. Yeah, hopefully they'll keep the lights on, or, or hopefully, <laughs> so you can work your looper. My looper. I need to get a looper. I used to, <laughs> I used to have one, and then I had a TC Electronics looper, and then it, like something happened, and now it's just basically break. What are you gonna do if the lights go out with your looper? What are you gonna uh, do with it? I don't know. Guess you can use it to beat somebody if they break in, but that's it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I guess I better get an acoustic guitar. <laughs> <laughs> just give up yeah, bass and just, just give all that up. And because, you know, um, even with the they're guitar, gonna keep, can they keep the lights on? Ask yourself that now. Yeah. I guess maybe solar panels. True. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, there right. <laughs> there we go. Let's, let's just keep the future vibe going. Get some solar panels, maybe like a wind turbine outside, some batteries. You solved it. You solved it. 
<laughs> now there's no reason for me not to be able to be Look at my looper. Yeah, get your looper together now. Get my looper and my electronic music stuff together and you can do it forever. You're set. <laughs> yeah, except um that I don't know. Except, you know. I guess maybe 40 is a good age to break into electronic music and go hang out with the other youths. Why not? Yeah, man. Ten times. Now or never. That's true. You're not wrong. <laughs> it's, you know, especially if, you know, around here, if you, you talk to the right people, it's certainly the end times. Like serious. I'm sure, I'm sure it's serious. Yeah. Sure. Just another thing about South Carolina, I noticed that there's a church on every corner. Yep. There's a church on every corner. But I also noticed there's a whole lot of like tarot card reading places. Like for every church, there's a gypsy hut saying, I'll read your future, which um, I think is pretty interesting. Like, that's interesting. Yep. I mean, I, I would have to agree. It's a uh, mystic place, it's mystic. There's definitely, I mean, there's definitely still a lot of that vibe here, for sure. And I think that's part of the history. You know, right. like, um, very, uh, it's like very good for uh, storytelling, too. You know, that kind of mystic or hoodoo, voodoo, Christianity all come together. Right. Yeah. man. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I think that's especially when you get down like the low country and stuff. I think that's it's thick, as they say. It's thick down there. So mystic. Yeah. Which is cool. You know. Um I think it's interesting that they can coexist side by side like that, you know. But that they have, they do. And I don't, I don't know that I'm the guy to try and explain that. Yeah, I probably shouldn't bring it up and bring it up when you start problems. Yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, knock on, yeah, knock let on wood. Ride. Let it ride. I'm sorry? I said, let it ride, let it yeah, ride. Let it ride. Well, man, we've been doing this for an hour. Whoa. Got to work. Kind of went by quick. Good. Only have one cup of coffee. That's all? It's my fourth cup today, but I just had one during this. Yeah, I've been trying to cut back on coffee. Can't I, cut I, I used <laughs> to have a four cup a day habit, and actually, a couple of days ago, I had one cup, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I really feel this now!" Like, right? So, you know, maybe taking a break was good. So, well, Mr. Stevie Harris, I think this. You know, I'm sure there's a lot more to say. You just have to come back. Word. I'll come back. Wow. It was a wide ranging conversation about, I don't know. Hey, that's the kind of conversation I like. So cool. it worked out for me. Great. So I hope you had fun. I had fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. And I hope to see you like definitely on the warehouse stream. Go check out the, the, the drive-in, the partly right. cloudy drive-in stuff. I'm going to try to get out more. I need to get out. Yeah, and we'll see that you go to the, the drive-in stuff, you stay in your car. You're cool. good. You're good. Cool. I'm going to do that. So, but man, take care of yourself. I look forward to whenever all this, you know, after the election, I look forward to 
Yes. Seven yeah. Okay. So, all right. all right, man. Have a good night. Good night. Peace. All right. Bye. Click, 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 click.